Welcome to this episode of the DFS Podcast here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. I'm Derek Tate, alongside the one and only Kyle Sapi. You can find him at Kyle Sapi PFN on Twitter. You can find myself at Derek Tate NFL as we're getting ready to talk about DFS lineups and picks for week six of NFL action. Sapi, we're about to come out firing away, but how you doing on this Thursday morning as we're almost, what, a third of the way through the season? Yeah, man, we're getting there. And then this is where we start to peak. This is the time, like week six to 10 is kind of my sweet spot here. We've got enough information to react on, but not so much that everybody's kind of got the same thoughts. And we're moving into injuries. We've got bye weeks. You've got moving pieces. We've got star players not on the main slate. So I, I, I'm really liking the week six slate. And I think that's going to be the case for the next month. So giddy up. Here we go. Yeah, giddy up, saddle up. By the way, if you have not yet done so, go ahead, hit the, the like button, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening via podcast, go ahead and subscribe, but also leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and review and drop your thoughts in the comment section. We really appreciate all the love and support. Uh, of course, you can always go and check out all of our stuff over at pfnprofootballnetwork.com. We've got ourselves a DFS optimizer. We've got a fantasy trade analyzer, start sit optimizer, all kinds of fantastic tools. And they're all free. All you got to do is go to profootballnetwork.com. But here we go. We're coming out firing the stack attack. What do we got at the quarterback and wide receiver position heading into week six? This one's going to require a little bit of finesse because you've got to pay attention to the injury report as we get closer to kickoff. But assuming the sun god, Amon Ross St. Brown, is healthy, give me him and Jared Goff going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I get that the Bucs are coming off a bye. That makes them a little less advantageous to target because they've had a week to prepare, an extra week to prepare. But I'm really not scared. They're the fourth worst third down defense in the league. I don't think one week off rectifies that. So if Detroit's moving the ball up and down consistently, listen, we know the front is stout for the Bucs. So if they shut down David Montgomery, this turns into the Jared Goff show. And if that's the case, it's going through Amon Ross St. Brown at least 100 yards or a touchdown in every game this season. Why not do both? If he can do both, he hits you the bonus. Plenty of volume in PPR settings to me. Those guys are a great stack this week. And you've got Herbert. You've got Josh Allen. You've got Patrick Mahomes all off of the main slate. So it is a tough week to get these high expensive stacks, high upside stacks. I think Goff and St. Brown offer just that to lock them in and build your lineup accordingly. You know, it's kind of an interesting thought process to go along with attacking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. They were missing Carlton Davis, one of their starting cornerbacks, um, you know, kind of in and out of the lineup through the first four weeks of the season. They have Jamel Dean, and they also have a second-year player uh, that, you know, had a relative athletic score, RAS, you know, through the roof, and Zion McCollum, who's actually shown a lot of improvement from his rookie season to his second season. So this secondary took some nice steps in week number four against Derek Carr and Chris Olave and the Saints passing game. Now Carr was dealing with a shoulder injury. So I'm not going to necessarily say, oh, well, you know, they're a dominant secondary yet, but it was their best performance of the season by far. So, but I, if Amon Ross St. Brown is healthy and the way that Jared Goff is playing football right now, and the really the Lions offense as a whole. Oh yeah, they're clicking. I'm with it. I'm, I, I understand it. <laughs> as much as I like the Bucks secondary and everything That's like fair. that, it looks like it's trending in the right direction. Uh, they have given up some big games to opposing number one wide receivers, namely DJ Moore, AJ Brown, and then all the way back in week one. Who was it for the ten? Who did the Bucks play in week number one? It was. Oh boy. Now I'm like drawing a blank, but there, there've been three receivers. Oh, Justin Minnesota. Jefferson. Yeah. Justin yeah. Jefferson. Yep. Um, 
all three of those receivers went over 100 yards. So I could see a big game for, for Amon Ross St. Brown. But for me, just the aforementioned DJ Moore and Justin Fields. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stack the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, who has thrown eight touchdown passes and averaged over 300 yards passing over the last two games. And then DJ Moore, who just went bonkers against the Washington <laughs> Commanders. What was it, eight receptions for like 230 yards and three touchdowns? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I expect that against the Minnesota Vikings secondary, but certainly a, a, a talent of DJ Moore's caliber uh, is certainly capable of putting up big numbers if Justin Fields continued to push the ball down the field. Not to mention... It felt like all of the receiver production against the commanders from Justin Fields to the wide receiver position went all to DJ Moore. Like he couldn't connect with Darnell Mooney all night. Like Equinomius St. Brown didn't catch a pass. Like it was all DJ Moore. And if that continues to be the case, I still think DJ Moore is a good bet to get over the century mark and potentially find the end zone for a fourth straight game. Yeah, I mean, you want in these stacks, you want concentrated target shares. That's what I get with St. Brown. I'm not too worried about the other receivers there. Laporta is what he is. But like you said, in Chicago, there wasn't a single wide receiver reception. DJ Moore had a 40% target share and over 80% of the receiving yards. Like if that's what you're getting, then yeah, that's a great stack. And nobody's, nobody's worried about Minnesota. Right. So now speaking of that stack, so who who's a running back that is going to appear in, in many of your DFS lineups with the Goff and St. Brown stack? I think it's going to be chalky, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Raheem Mostert with Devon Achan out gets the Panthers, the fifth worst red zone defense in the league. We've seen Mostert produce top 10 numbers pre-HN explosion, GOAT status, all that good stuff. He's a big play threat. I get that he's not quite what HN is, but he offers the speed. He's that Miami type. He's that archetype. And if he picks up even just half of what HN's been carrying as far as workload goes, you're looking at 20 touches in a game with a two-touchdown favorite against a shifty defense. Like To me, that's upside I need to target in my lineup, especially if a lot of the field's going to have it. I need exposure there to balance out the field. I can make up ground elsewhere. I'll eat the chalk and go Raheem Mostert against the Panthers. I don't see how you can't have him in your lineup, just yeah. given we don't know really the status of Jeff Wilson. We know that he's returning to practice. I believe he participated in a limited fashion, but I, I expect another running back to work in tandem with Raheem Mostert, sure. but I, I don't, I can't say that confidently for any of the running backs that are currently on the roster. So it, makes me feel confident that Raheem Mostert's going to see the most carries. And if he's going to see the most carries in a game script, that's going to favor him against the Carolina Panthers. Then I'm all on board with having to make up ground elsewhere because I want to make sure I get him in my lineup. Um, one place that you could potentially make up ground. I kind of like Kyron Williams against the Perfect. Arizona Cardinals this week. Um, you know, he was dealing with a hip pointer injury heading into their matchup against a stout Philadelphia Eagles defense. And while he didn't have a massive day, nobody really running backs really don't go off against no. the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause they've only been allowing what, you know, an average of like 10.4 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. He actually had uh 13 carries for 53 yards. That was over four yards wow. per for per carry on the ground against uh, you know a unit that's been fantastic and he still dominated the work ronnie rivers only saw one carry so uh he didn't seem to suffer any significant setback so it looks like you know it's still going to be kyron williams is the guy out of this backfield and all of a sudden this offense has cooper cut back and matthew stafford's going to continue throwing the ball all over the yard but it is going to create more op scoring opportunities with cooper cup back in the lineup i would imagine so against the arizona cardinals which just gave up a monster day 
to Jamar Chase. Oh, yeah. I, I see them having issues slowing down Cooper Cup and Kyron Williams being able to find the end zone once, if not twice in this contest. Yeah, and that's the balancing act, right? We get Cooper Cup back. We want to ramp up all things Rams related because we think they're going to be in scoring position more often. But how much of Cup, how much does he eat into that? So it's a fine line. You're walking. We've seen Kyron already score multiple touchdowns in three different games this season. So the ceiling is certainly there. And you mentioned the efficiency looked good against the Eagles, which is something he really hadn't had through the first month of the season. So if that's coming in, teams have to respect Cup and Nakua on the outside. I like the idea of going Williams, and I think he could be a little under-owned with people flocking to that pass game. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking of under-owned, there's opportunities for you to be able to make some money on a line that you're going to want to bet the over on with Superdraft. So, player prop players, listen up. The NFL is back, and Superdraft has an exclusive free play to win up to 100 times your entry for PFN listeners. Imagine this, Christian McCaffrey's current receiving yards line is just half a yard. That means if he catches one pass, one screen, one check down, and gets more than one yard, you win. So, wait, there's more. (laughs) Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on deposits of $20 or more when you use promo code PFN. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to smash a winning player prop entry. Claim your free play and bonus today. All right. So now that we're all juiced up when it comes to Super Draft, let's continue to focus and hone in on some of the DFS plays that we really like. Let's start at the quarterback position. Soppy, who do you really like for week six? I'm going to keep going to the well here. Trevor Lawrence, I get that he's coming back from London, but he did look better in that second game against the Bills. The fantasy numbers weren't great. He lost a pair of fumbles, yada, yada, yada. Stuff like that happens. But he he looked good thrown to Ridley. They tried to get him involved with a couple of runs early, but he looked good to Kirk. Zay Jones scores. To me, this is an offense that's budding. It's beginning to look like what I thought it would. And you can still get there kind of on a cheap, level here he's already played the Colts so he's seen this defense he's playing better now than he was in week one when he you know targeted Calvin Ridley a ton had a decent game in that spot the Colts lowest blitzing team in the NFL so Trevor Lawrence should have plenty of time back there should be comfortable and he has at least 20 rushing yards in four or five games so he's adding that dimension of versatility to the repertoire I like Trevor Lawrence this week moving forward and give me Geno Smith if you're looking a little bit down the board coming off his bye and There's going to be plenty of people going to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and I get it. After the big week five, I completely understand that. But if you want to say, hey, they're back. Well, you know what that means? That means they might push the Seahawks to have to score. Geno coming off the bye, like I said, offers that expectation. And he's an easy guy to stack. You're talking 41% of the targets this year have gone to Lockett or Metcalf. So that's that that checks all the boxes. He could be in a favorable game script. He's got a concentrated target share. He offers a little bit of rushing. We haven't seen it yet to this year, but we saw it last year, so maybe it's in his bag. Geno Smith, a nice buy-down option if you're going down the board a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kind of on board with both of those selections. Uh, one other name that kind of stands out is Matthew Stafford. I know we just brought up Kyron sure. Williams, but um, they are going to be facing off against the Arizona Cardinals in you know Southern California, where across the league this week, there's going to be some potentially concerning weather games as far as wind goes for you know uh, some of these signal callers. So Matthew Stafford again uh, amongst the league leaders in passing attempts and drop back opportunities. You know, getting Cooper Cup back, he fit right back in like a glove <laughs> no uh, into this offense. And the Arizona Cardinals are giving up the 28th most 
or so they're actually ranked 28th against opposing quarterbacks. Excuse me. So I think that with the matchup with Cooper cup, with his weapons, with this offense starting to click, I don't know if they're going to be able to heat up Matthew Stafford as far as getting a pass rush on him. And if that's the case, I, I see a, a decent day for Matthew Stafford at a pretty reasonable price point. So wide receiver, it's time. Got to find some of these wide receivers and uh, which ones you like for, for week six, Sapi. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to I'm gonna break the golden rule here, and I'm going to try to pin the tail on the 49er pass catcher here. I'm going Debo Samuel. You're talking about a high-pressure Browns team that can get after the passer. So I'm going with low ADOT, guys. His ADOT, much more reflective of what it was two years ago than last year when he – or vice versa. You know, he's shown to be a versatile receiver, and the ADOT is low compared to Ayuk's, which is high. So I think he's going to have time – to get open, to get the rock. They're going to try to get him in space as Cleveland brings all the pressure. Debo definitively over IU this week for me. Usually I have him pretty close. So it's an option. A 49er pass catcher has gone over 20 DK points in four or five weeks. So if we're trying, like one of these guys is going to be good. I'm finally comfortable enough to say which one it's going to be. Give me Debo Samuel. If you're going down the board a little bit, we've got two different options. You've got a veteran in Adam Thielen. Or a young guy in Josh Downs. Downs, 26% target share with Gardner Minshew under center. And of course, that's going to be the case this week and moving forward for the foreseeable future. He goes against the Jags, who I think are going to have success. Just talked about Trevor Lawrence. If you want to go a stack and a bring back in that fashion, I think you can. 77% catch rate for the rookie is encouraging. And then Adam Thielen, I mean, they're a near two-touchdown underdog. We talked about Mostert, so if you want to build the script saying Mostert's going to be playing with a lead. That means Thielen's behind, which means a pass-heavy script. You see where the dominoes fall here. He's got 36 catches over his last four games. Extend that forward. That's 153 catch pace. No, I don't think he's going to do that, but the volume is encouraging. He's the guy in this offense that we think is going to be behind early and often. Yeah, so I'm on board with check, check, check. And I'm a little bit higher on Brock Purdy going up against the Cleveland mm -hmm. Browns defense, even though Cleveland, their defense has been very, very, very stingy off to a great start with the exception of one game against Baltimore Ravens when they didn't have their start quarter, starting quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, I, but I'm on board, I, you know, trying to <clears throat> roll, you know, hit on the San Francisco 49ers, you know, roulette wheel every week um, can pay dividends if, if you do hit big. Um, at the wide receiver position, I, I, there's a couple guys that, I, that you know, down the board that intrigue me just a little bit. Christian Kirk uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. You already talked about, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, Josh Reynolds is only at $4,500. And I understand that, you know, if Monroe St. Brown is back, he's going to be the alpha. He's going to have to compete also with Sam Laporta. But even with Jamison Williams back in the fold last week, he was there. Yeah. yeah, he was there and he was far more productive um, and efficient. So it, he has a role in this offense. And if we think that Jared Goff could have a nice day through the air against the Bucks, you know, Josh Reynolds at $4,500 certainly is worth taking a peek at. So speaking of taking a peek, who are you peeking at the running back position? Yeah, if you're going to the top of the board here, this I don't want to say the pricing's wrong because Christian McCaffrey's far and away. The elite guy, and he's Christian McCaffrey. I get it, but that's a tough matchup. And you get to save $2,300 to go with Bijan Robinson, who we think has Christian McCaffrey like upside. I know you've been beating the drum for him since day one. 
I, to me, this is crazy. I Not that I think Christian McCaffrey's priced incorrectly, but I don't think the gap should be this much. I mean, you're talking about a rookie that's averaging 5.4 yards per carry with an 87% catch rate that is the focal point of an offense that's in a coin toss game. Like, he's not going to be scripted out of this game. I really don't understand why he is priced so far down. I, I'm going to make a point of it to pay up the running back position, something I rarely do. If you're not going up that high, Joe Mixon, I think is a very viable option. Seattle, the worst red zone defense in the league this year. And he averages 22 touches a game when the Bengals don't have the brakes beat off him, which I don't think is going to be the case that happens here. So you're talking about significant volume and scoring upside in an offense that we expect to thrive and get moving in the right direction. And in Arizona, you called this one. It might be more of a committee than we thought coming out of last week, but I still think DeMarcado is a decent option. You pay way down for him. They're playing a hot hand approach. Maybe he gets hot. He gets rolling. He looked good last week. If he yeah. can keep doing that, I mean, 11 touches for 57 yards and a score. If he produces that, you're fine. Hopefully he gets a few more touches than 11 and he can, maybe the efficiency comes back a little bit, but if he can get you 15 fantasy points, that's more than enough. Yeah. At that price point. I mean, you know, whether it's him or you want to throw a dart at, you know, Keontae Ingram, if, if he ends up being available uh, for this contest, then, you know, both of those guys at those price points make sense. Um, you know, like what you said about Joe Mixon, the thing about Bijan Robinson, I just think that folks are getting, they shy away from selecting him because last week, Tyler Algier saw 17 yeah, carries, yeah. 17. Like that's not, it's not seven or eight. It's like legit, you know, lead work yeah. in most other backfields. It's just because of Atlanta's like game script. When they get a lead, they can just, you know, take sit the on it. air out yeah. of the ball. They sit on it. They try to just beat you up up front and play physical brand of football. So I, I think that some folks maybe see that being the game script with them Fine getting the lead and then <laughs> just trying to, you know, hand the ball to both running backs and Tyler Algier seeing another game where he sees over 15 carries on terrible efficiency. It's just, oh my goodness. I, I Yeah, he is. Bijan Robinson feels like he could be right there with Christian McCaffrey, even in a far inferior offense. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, in comparison to San Francisco, because of just how dynamic is he, he is, if he was the true bell cow of this backfield, instead, they are just, you know, Arthur Smith is just being stubborn about giving, continuing to give Tyler Algier this type of work. So that being said, uh, you know, at the running back position, that is certainly, you know, he's even kind of worth an option given that he's a $4,600. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to target, I'm going to keep an eye on the running back position for the Chicago Bears. If Roshan Johnson is able to clear concussion okay. protocol, I will be more than fine going with Roshan as, you know, one of my, you know, running back selections in this, uh, in this slate. If he's inactive, then I think it's a, a you know, a full day work for, Donta Foreman. So that's the Tater special this week. Just keep okay. an eye on that Chicago backfield. Um, moved in tight end. It was a big week for tight ends in week five. Who do you see having a big week in week six? Yeah, and I'm going down the board a little bit. Logan Thomas and Evan Ingram are my two guys. We've talked about the Jag pass game plenty. And if you want to go that route, that's a nice thing about the Trevor Lawrence play that you don't have. You could play him and he might be chalky, but how you deploy him and how you build that roster could be unique because plenty of people will stack them with two of the pass catchers I doubt anybody does three but you've got Kelvin Ridley you've got Christian Kirk and if you just want to do Evan Ingram I think that is in play against the Colts I mean he's got eight targets in four straight games the vo the volume is going to be there 
I have no concerns about Evan Ingram. Logan Thomas, I think is interesting. He's got the long week to prepare. And all we've seen Logan Thomas over the last like five seasons is when he's healthy, he's fine. And that's the beauty of DFS. I'm not asking you to bank on Logan Thomas being healthy come Thanksgiving. You need him healthy for four quarters on Sunday. I think he can do it because he's got the long week. He's been involved. This The starting tight end position for Washington has seen at least seven targets in four or five games. I have no problem with that. Is the upside capped? Of course it is. But if you're getting four to six catches in a PPR environment, that's enough to kind of kick the can down the road and not lose your matchup at the tight end position. I, I'm with you with Logan Thomas, for sure. And Evan Ingram, safe. I feel like they're yeah. both quality plays. I'm on board with both. I'm sitting here, I, I'm trying to go, well, you know, do I have something that could potentially be a little bit sneaky? <laughs> no, I, I really like Logan Thomas at $3,500. That completely makes sense to me. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Sabi. So um, speaking of right there with you, I'm kind of high on the Saints defense this week for DFS. Oh, yeah. or, or the, or, are you on the long – are we on the same page there too? I'm with you. I mean, coming off of the shutout, they might be a chalky option. People see that, and they're like, oh, they're, they're a great defense. But they kind of have been. They've scored at least nine fantasy points in four out of five games. So it's not just the one-week performance. And Houston drops back to pass as much as anybody in the league. We always say it on this podcast that I really don't care how good or bad a defense is. If they're going against a bunch of dropbacks – from an iffy quarterback, I mean, C.J. Stroud's looked great, but he's still a rookie. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not one of those guys. So if you're getting me 40 to 45 dropbacks, that opens the door to fantasy production, even if they give up 25 points. Like, they can still get there with four sacks and an interception. Like, I, there's multiple avenues to get there. The only problem with New Orleans is I do think they garner some ownership this week. Yeah, that's one could be a little bit chalky, but ultimately you're, you're trying to identify the right matchup, the right price point. And I feel as if, you know, the Saints defense, which, yeah, they had their best performance in week five, oh, yeah. but I wouldn't call it just an outlier where every other week they've been getting diced up. I mean, they've been pretty solid throughout most of the season. So I, I'm 100% on board with it because the Houston Texans, while they've given Damian Pierce two straight games with 20 plus carries the the efficiency just hasn't been there because they they've been a makeshift offensive line they've had issues up front and they've they're i think that that's showing itself the most in the running game so the lack of balance certainly doesn't bode well for a you know secondary that has been pretty consistently good throughout most of 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been very good against tight ends. They certainly have the capability of, of putting the clamps on opposing wide receivers. And with the injury potentially to Tank Dell, that also gives C.J. Stroud one fewer yep. dynamic option in the passing game. So I'm 100% on board with that. You know, is there any other defense that kind of, you know, makes you raise an eyebrow here a little bit? Yeah, and this one, if you don't believe me on the Jared Goff stuff at the beginning, or Monroe St. Brown is out, I think you could go to the other side of this game and take the Buccaneers defense. We know the Lions are going to have to pass. We're comfortable saying that the Bucks' stout front, front four, front seven, or however you want to kind of phrase that, it could limit this running game. I don't think we're seeing 30 carries from David Montgomery again. And you mentioned the secondary, the improving nature of both the players and the health in that situation. So if Amon Ra's out, you could be talking about a Jared Goff pass volume situation against the Bucks defense that has, they're averaging three sacks and over two forced turnovers per game this season. 
And again, I'm chasing volume of dropbacks. You're not having to pay up here. And I don't think it's going to be a very popular play because they're not a sexy group. They're not like opposing Detroit feels like stepping in front of a Mack truck right now. So I don't think that they're going to garner much ownership, even though they're a cheap option. And listen, I mean, you get you get exposure to a game you get on the other side of a game is kind of how I'm going to phrase that the bucks coming off of a buy. So maybe they scheme up a few exotic blitzes, things like that. I think there's enough avenues to success that you can go that way. Obviously if you go with the lion stack, you're not playing the bucks defense, but one or the other, I think very much in play. I understand. I just, I'm going to go ahead and lean towards the fact that I, I, I don't know if I see enough big plays from the bucks in particular, them being able to, get to Jared Goff when he does drop back. That's the, that's the one hesitation that I have. I'm actually going to go a different direction um, for my like, you know, bargain basement, you know, clearance discount (laughs) sales rack type option for the uh, defense position, even though the Cleveland Browns defense is the cheapest or the second cheapest option on the slate. They're playing against the San Francisco 49ers. I get it. Brock Purdy looks great. He's playing it like a, a close to an MVP type level. So is Christian McCaffrey. And they're loaded. I get it. Um, that's definitely an option just because of how much talent mm-hmm. the, the Browns and how stingy they've been, even against a 49ers defense or offense that's been humming. They're still worth a look, but I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. This yeah. is the teacher versus the student game it's bill belichick versus josh mcdaniels and i do not particularly think that the new england or the las vegas raiders offense has been all that great this season and we've seen some pretty darn good performances from the new england patriots defense even though yeah it's been a little bit inconsistent and they just got blown off the football field i understand i just don't know if i see another third straight week where New England is just humiliated on the football field. Uh, You got to think against, you know, a former member of the staff very recently, someone that Bill Belichick knows inside and out. um, He's going to try to make this a statement game. And, you know, with the Las Vegas offense not being super efficient and, you know, kind of struggling and turning the ball over uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. I could see this being a little bit lower scoring of a game where the Patriots struggles on the offensive side of the football aren't as magnified against the Raiders. So I think New England's a decent option at $2,600. I'm not against it. That just means you have to watch that game, which is kind of a pain. (laughs) And I'm not looking forward to that unless you're a Jacoby Myers guy. But uh, yeah, no, I get get the angle there. It's a good defense. Their defense is certainly the strength of that team. And nobody's saying the Raiders are world beaters on the offensive end. And you might... I mean, like you mentioned, they've come off back-to-back embarrassing losses. They weren't even that bad defensively last week. The offense just put them in, in bad spots. So I think that, like the narrative around New England is so poor that you could get them at a very, very cheap ownership here. And to me, that's, that's what you want in a defense. If you can get off of the chalk, you kind of have to do it. So speaking of off the chalk, that's going to be our picks for this week six DFS slate. But what's your hot take of the week? As we uh, as we head towards the finish line of this DFS podcast, I think if you're playing in the main slate, which is the one and four o'clock games, the, this is a good late swap kind of week. Evaluate where you are as the one o'clock games come down to the wire here. There's a lot of options and maneuverability in the four o'clock window. I mean, you're talking 
like you said, with the the Patriots and Raiders, if you want to pivot off to a cheap, inexpensive, unowned defense, you could do that with the Patriots. You, if you need to go chalk, you can go that route too. You can take my bucks in that late slate. There's options here with the Rams. Whenever the Rams are on a late slate like this, you can switch which star receiver you're on. You can go to your guy, Kyron Williams, if you want to get off the pass game altogether because you think that's going to be chalky and you already, you're playing from behind. You need to make up ground. So I think checking out your lineup in like that 330 window, see where you stand. See what you can do to be a little bit different in your flex spot. Make sure you put a late kickoff guy in the flex to avoid, to give yourself that flexibility but be willing to pivot and learn as new information comes in. That's the responsible thing to do. You should be doing it weekly, but I think the sl- this slate specifically opens you up to leverage that. So I'm with you there. I am going to say that the loss of Devon HN maybe tweaks the approach of the Miami Dolphins in week number six. And while Raheem Mostert has certainly played very well this season, I'm not arguing that at all. He's been working in such a great tandem with Devon Achan, and Achan has been so out of this world, historically efficient <laughs> on a per-touch basis that I believe his absence is going to force the Dolphins to go in a different direction to try to continue to to gap and chunk opposing defenses. I would be okay because I don't think that there's a lot of people that would potentially go this route. I know you'd have to go with some other cheaper options elsewhere. The triple stack with Tua Tungabailoa, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddell and just see if he can have a monster day through the air with peppering the two, you know, two of the most dynamic playmakers on the outside. I know that they'll have to probably throttle down and take their foot off the gas eventually. Um, but I could see that being a a, a sneakier option. That's something that most folks aren't going to want to pay up for all three of those players. Uh, so you'll have to get creative with other places in your roster, but that triple stack may be worth it this week. I like it. And if they have to throttle down, it's because they put points on the board. And if they put points on the board, there's a chance that your guys did it. You're never going to get me to say bad things about a Dolphin triple stack. Like if there's going to be a triple stack to break the slate, that is one of the top five options every single week. So speaking of top five options, the PFN podcast continues to grow because of you and continuing to tune in and all of your love and support. So please, if you have not yet done so, if you're tuning in on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, like, and make sure you click the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new video here on the YouTube channel. If you're tuning in via the podcast, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star review is something we really love, appreciate all of the support. Also, go ahead, if you have not yet done so, or if you catch this podcast, um, understand that we have a DFS optimizer. If you want to take some of my picks, some of Safi's picks, plug them into the DFS optimizer and see exactly maybe some of who your plays are for this week to kind of build out the optimal DFS lineup heading into week six and beyond. Go to profootballnetwork.com for that. You can also take a look at our fantasy trade analyzer, our start sit optimizer. We're also going to be doing our live stream start sit here on the YouTube channel. I'm going to be on at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Soppy himself will be on at noon here on the YouTube channel. And then Kyle Yates at Kyle Y NFL. You can find him on X, Twitter, whatever it's called nowadays, for his start sick 
live stream or I guess ask me anything on Twitter starting at 1130 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's Kyle Sapi. You can find him at on Twitter, X at Kyle Sapi PFN. And I'm Derek Tate. You can find me at Derek Tate NFL on X. Until next time, everybody, good luck. And later, says the tater.